April 22, 2020. It's a Waffle Pedro show. That's what I want to do.
Matt from Peter's uh, show. Happy Wednesday, Mercules. We got uh, Brother Matt and myself in quitting quarantino mode three miles away here in Pedro. Trying to devise a way to get him on board. Work working on that. I know I can get him on the spiel part, but he's finding a way to make his own spin cycles. So bear with us, people. But in the meantime, I am not man alone in my patio because of the miracle of them engineers in Estonia with their Skype software. I got Jason Boardman with me from uh, Knoxville. Welcome hey there, everybody. Board. Yeah, welcome aboard, Jason. You were just saying, we were talking off-air people out stuff, and one of it was he's digging all the Knoxville people on the Watt from Pedro show. Yeah, yeah, it's been really great. Um, I, I, I'm, I love it that you're, uh, you're digging deep. <laughs> getting well, you know, I do have a deep connect. a lot connect. of the great Knoxville people. I have a deep connect. First with Cap Childers, and then after that, Larry Mullins, two Knoxville cats, and no longer oh, live there. Oh, yeah, Larry. But they go way back, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Jim and, right. Uh, who's Deli? Jim and, no, what's uh, it? and Bills, maybe? Vic and Bills. I definitely, well, that was before my time of actually living here, but, uh, you know, certainly when I first got here and we're started. Gonna, we're going to get into out. that, Jason. We're going to get yeah, into yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, okay. But, you know, it's it's been a big vol town, right? Long time. Oh yeah, that's inescapable. Okay, and I think in the way the the Vic and Bill, it, it, I saw it happen in Athens, Georgia too, with the uh, the Wux tree and the you know bulldog. Sometimes uh, it breeds a reaction, sort of like the way manure works with farmers, you know. Right. Anyway, I should tell people we started the show off with John Coltrane, Miles Davis, if I were a bell, and then a prize you're involved with. We're gonna be playing a lot this show, right, Greg? Back to the gutter. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Jason, tell me your earliest me- uh, musical recollection, please. Um, earliest music recollection in terms of... Uh, music. People playing music or hearing music? Uh, well, certainly... Well, exper- always- experience it. Like, you go back into your mind, and when is music... What's the oldest little fragment of memory? Some dudes well, I know, they, they remember shit in the cradle. I, right. I can't I, remember shit for like three or four or music five, but a, we're all different, and that's why I have people on the show, because I have yet to find one musical journey the same as somebody else's. Oh, by the way, i got to give, you were asking about this deep Knoxville thing, besides those two old connects, I've got a more recent connect with Mike Baguetta, so we got to thank him. But oh, anyway, absolutely. We reach down deep and pick out that fra- fragment, that, that earliest musical. I mean, there's no wrong answer here, Jason. Right. <laughs> Uh, well, I definitely um, on my, especially on my mom's side of the family, uh, they were all real musical and still are. And, um, they, you know, records and the radio were playing in the house from, I do remember like my mom playing records as early as being in a, like in my crib. And uh, okay. I, uh, and my grandmother was a piano performer and piano teacher, not, you know, more just sort of locally and through church and putting on play. She would put on plays and stuff in town. And so I got exposure oddly like to musicals and type stuff like that, probably at the earliest uh, period, but um, definitely uh, lots of music from the sixties and seventies being played uh, on records around the house. Uh, But not a whole lot of like rock and roll that came later for me on my own uh finding that and um you know and actually playing music came um a little later for me because I kind of resisted that at first I guess I had the opportunity to take lessons on piano and wish I had but didn't at the time um Yeah, let me so. get into that because to me music's music. I mean, you can call rock and roll or church music whatever the fuck. They're p- probably connected somewhere 
in I agree. In yeah, Watt's mind. I know with the marketing people, they want genres, they want to reinforce that, they want to make their job easier. No, I could, I couldn't agree. Yeah, more <laughs> definitely. It, it's okay. all the same. So, so I'm curious. In the pad, you're, you're talking about your grandma with the piano. Was there a piano in the pad? Yeah, there definitely was a piano in almost every house I grew up in. Um, did, you, and did, you, did you did you bang on it? You said you didn't get into the lesson thing, but did you bang on it? I definitely have had an even longer relationship with sounds and noises and things. So yeah, I would bang on anything that made sounds, noises, like and any instrument that any of my brothers got a hold of. It seems like my brothers all got instruments uh, for Christmas and things, and I, I was being sort of shepherded in a, di- a different direction, I guess. But like, older? I would always grab their o- stuff. I should say, were they older? Uh, I have um, two younger brothers and one older brother, so this would have been and the younger. So you're, you're like the baloney. Definitely the baloney. <laughs> no, Scotty told me that. <laughs> Maybe more like the cheese. Because Kathy and Ronnie, you know. He said one time his mom said, Scotty, you're kind of like the baloney. Yeah. We call that, too, on the airplane, the baloney seat, right? It's the one everybody wants. Right. <laughs> right. But, uh, okay, so uh, these guys, they're into music. They they get instruments. They start uh, learning. What, what what about school? Were you in the choir or uh, were you in the marching band or shit like that? I wasn't. I was a really shy kid and, and kind of um, the idea of performance was something that intrigued me, but I didn't have the guts to get involved with. Although I was sort of pushed into doing some like church plays when I was really young where I would sing in front of a crowd and I had no idea how I ever did that, <laughs> but it happened. Well, you were pushed into it. <laughs> That's yeah. how you did it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I'm glad about it. And, and certainly, um, but I wasn't in band and I didn't have any music lessons, but I was ab- well, absolutely. I'm curious because a lot of schools, they cut the program. Was there a program? There definitely was a program. Okay. I was lucky was even this? in a small town. Yeah, where um, was this, Jason? This was in Athens, Tennessee. That's pretty much the town I grew up in my okay. whole uh, formative years of childhood. There was a couple of stints, in uh, one in Knoxville for about a year, but um, most of it was Athens, Tennessee. Okay, uh, nothing at school. In the house, there's a piano, but you don't play it. What about the stuff where you're with your buddies after school, like in junior high and high school, yeah. where you've got the basement or the bedroom or garage band? Right. Well, I I was I was already pretty sure I wanted to play drums from like probably age seven or eight. Like I was already banging around on boxes and pillows and stuff with. I used to take the cardboard tubes off of coat hangers and drum with those on pretty much anything I could find. Um, and so, yeah, as soon as I got a hold of a, a cassette recorder that I could tape with, I remember making, I don't know what I was thinking, but just making like song type things, singing along, making fake radio interviews, just doing fun stuff like that with my friends. Like, and then as we got a hold of Casio keyboards, we started doing stuff, but it wasn't very structured, like trying to make songs or anything. We didn't really have a band I didn't have a band or anything like that growing up it's a really odd musical development compared to most people who play an instrument because I was I didn't play in a band for a really long time but I'd already been playing drums for many years before that so it was kind of strange okay uh, I should ask you what was the first record you bought for yourself oh the first one I got for myself uh other than just taping stuff off the radio is I remember uh do you remember Future Shock by Herbie Hancock being a big sure. uh Splash. <laughs> I remember going to a tape store or getting taken to a tape store to buy that. And uh, that was the first one. I had some stuff that I had, you know, put two boom boxes facing each other and taped off some of my brother's and uh, tapes before yeah, but that. It's different when you're spending <laughs> your own money. So that's why I'm curious. And what was the first yeah. gig you went to? 
Well, the first actual concert I ever saw was a pretty amazing big one, and it was when I was, I guess I probably would have been around 10. It was the Jackson 5 victory tour <laughs> when oh. the family got back together, and it was in like Nalen State, the big football stadium here in Knoxville. Uh, my dad had gotten tickets somehow and sent us with a friend to, to see that. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I wish I would have saw it. I want to play yeah. a sci-fi song. Okay. Excavation requires evaluation. Thank you, gentlemen, for your careful consideration.
Intelligence enough for annoying quizzical nature Troubled by questions pertaining to destiny And his place in the universe, etc
Yeah.
safe sex drill. The child held the old TP roll, carefully thoughtful not to misshape the whole. Pedro show, yeah, we heard White Greg with sci-fi song. Then Gareth Sager out of London with Solid Air. Bilge Pump out of Leeds. Observe my crazy arms. Some England stuff. Trotsy Ice Pick, yeah, the last tune from their new album, Celebrity Scrump. Great singer man, uh, John Jones and uh, Tally Jones. 
and Kel on the guitar, they go way back. Miniman used to do uh, urinals, ack, ack, ack. Yeah, we only did three acts because we cut out a verse. Or extract from Canada after that happenstance. Thurston Moore group, the band he had before this one, John Maloney, Keith Wood, and uh, what was that lady's name? She plays good bass here. My instant transcendent conjecture. Uh, South London with Senor Al Dios y Dave, David Diablo Dios and the Sea, crushed by pimps right near them from the same area. Social conscious. Bell out of uh, Barcelona with Sagrado Corazon. Safe sex drill from Captain Beef, our little poetry there in his. Uh, I think he'd given up music by then. Finally, White Greg. William Shatner. I thought if we were going to do sci-fi songs, we should do William Shatner. That guy's too much. But, you know, that's really the only one I like is that first one with those. I mean, they had characters, you know. They might have had oh, yeah. scripts later, but they didn't have any characters. Yeah. Okay, back to your music journey there, Jason. Um, so... After high, so in high school, junior high, you just had some jam keyboard and drum. When did you get your first trap set? Uh, my first actual drum set, um, I got probably when I was around 14. Um, it was just an absolute piece of junk, but I bought it off my neighbor who was a drummer in the marching band and stuff. And uh, uh, it was, I don't even think it had a brand name, it was like a gold sparkle thing. It was, uh, but it was fantastic for me. Um, and I played it just mostly by myself listening to records and stuff um for years uh, through the rest of high school like where? i guess that would have been in, in, ninth in, or in the bedroom yeah yeah and the parents they were cool yeah my mom loved uh loved the racket like or the just loved fact bam, bam. I for, <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> she had no problem with it yeah, I've seen, uh, well uh actually there's a on YouTube.com, you can go find Elvin Jones has this little half-hour documentary, A Different Drummer. And he talked about starting off on the fucking pots and pans and shit. Oh, yeah. I was playing on pillows and boxes yeah, before that. Yeah, but you that. were cool that you, that you were using the cardboard tubes. He was oh, talking yeah. about using fucking spoons and shit. The cardboard tubes were probably a later innovation. I was probably using anything I could find before that. I used to drive people crazy yeah, okay. tapping, tapping my feet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but okay, so, but then the keyboard guys, your buddies yeah. with the keyboards come over, and you, so you're doing both, you're doing drumming, or did you drum to them keyboarding? Well, you remember, like in the '80s, when like little cheapo electronic keyboards and drum oh, machine sure, sure, pads, sure. Yeah, just sort of, they were like almost like toys, but they were available. So, my, yeah, Econo, my, yeah, my, yeah, my best friend, childhood friend Ryan, and I who just sort of, we used to make cassette tapes all the time, so he would bring over whatever toys and stuff he had, and he had a, access to a bass, and uh, uh, I had my drum set, and I had a bunch of little electronic, I was into electronics, so I built like things that made beeps and noises, and we would just play around, but we didn't really know much about how to write a song or anything like that, so they're pretty abstract. Well, what'd you uh, do? You got a groove going on the drums? Did you have a little table there with your electronics? Yeah, it, okay. it was never... Uh, yeah, it was really kind of sprawling. Like, yeah, I would definitely try and play beats and stuff with my drums. And when I was playing by myself, I would do things like that. But when we would play together, it was really, I guess later it would have seemed like 
thoughtful improv, but it really wasn't <laughs> that thoughtful. It was just making noises and seeing what we could, seeing what noises we could make since neither of us really had any music lessons. We were kind of flying by the yeah. seat of our pants. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, okay. But you never thought about joining a band. Like your well, buddy, it was just good enough to jam the records and jam with your buddy, right? Right. Uh, again, I didn't really like. In Athens is a really small town, and okay. and my my recollection of it, like, I'm sure there must have been local bands doing stuff, but there was no like central place to go and see a band. I'm sure there were house shows, but again, I was a really shy kid, and like, yeah, I loved the idea of playing in a rock band or playing in any kind of band, but I didn't really know how to make it happen. Uh, at the, that time, that's and so Ryan uh, and I were kind of in the same boat there. So we were just making. We loved music and collected, like listen to music constantly. But like, uh, we didn't really know where to begin in terms of starting a band. So that came. It was strange to. I played drums for probably six, seven years before I ever played in a band. So I learned drums really strange. Like I never really learned how to take care of business as a drummer, driving a band. I was always playing along with records and stuff in my head. So I would always, the drums were already sort of taken care of. So I was coming up with rhythms and stuff that were working against or in, in addition to those things. I, I think that really helped me develop an interesting style. But it what it made it tough when I finally started playing with people who expected, you know, just to the drummer to glue everything together. That that wasn't me in the beginning. Maybe still not me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, but let's say after high school, did you go to college? Yeah, uh, the one time I lived in a big city was Chicago. I went up there to go to college for. I was only there for a couple of years. Um, uh, down on the south side, and I was studying physics, and it really. Oh, physics! But did <laughs> yeah. the but but uh, did the music sit? Did you kind of put it on hold for that time? No, I took I took uh, uh, some like pieces of my drum set because I didn't know what my living situation was going to be so that I could just keep playing around because I just couldn't not do it. And uh, I certainly, once I got to Chicago, I was still pretty young, so I couldn't get into a lot of clubs, but I was going to record stores almost every you know few days. And it's probably the reason I was only in school for a couple of years up there as I was spending a lot of time exploring the city and music and, and anywhere I could find it. That's really what drew me to the place. Did you get to play with uh, Chicago musicians? No, no. This is when I was, you know, 17, 18, 19, and still uh, I, I happened to choose a, a university that had zero art and music program, which was really bad. Uh, it was <laughs> definitely a science and tech school, and it was kind of on that side of the creative spectrum, really kind of a dismal experience. And I remember really uh, I, I made some friends with some kids at a music school that was nearby and got access to their drums and their keyboards luckily but still i wasn't playing with people until i came back to tennessee okay and what happens you join your first band yeah i ended up moving to knoxville and falling in with uh i worked at i uh, got a job at a bookstore and met some people who were playing in bands and started going out to see them play in these really uh tiny places that they had local bands and and uh fell in with them i started like recording them recording shows like taking my tape decks to shows and then i ended up uh joining ba two bands kind of around the same time one playing synthesizer and like this sort of drone band and one playing drums with a band called dark logic with eric lee who 
I ended up playing music with for like the next almost 20 years. He's in, you know, one of the guitarists in White Craig and the, and the person who put that band together. Wow. So that so, was okay. That's the beginning of that relationship. That's great. Yeah. Dark yeah. Logic. Mm hmm. What, what was the first Dark Logic gig like for you? I was very, very nervous. This was like my first time. These were all guys in the band who had been playing music in bands since they were in high school. Yeah. And I was, you know, uh, like in my early 20s at this point and still hadn't played in front of people. And we played, uh, I'm trying to remember what the actual first show, I think it was actually strangely in a like a hotel venue in Chattanooga that was like real, like in a ballroom. It was really kind of nice. <laughs> uh, Fancy and, uh, Yeah, I just remember, actually that probably wasn't the first. It was probably, it, it, I'm really bad with dates and names, but um, that was maybe one of the first where I wasn't playing in just front of friends. And I remember being really, uh, nervous about that one, but you know, yeah, we call them pants shooters. That's, it was, that would qualify as that. I still so. have them. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah, I was not born entertainer, but I was lucky. I got, cause you get, you play with guys that are like that and it helps you, you know, they might have it naturally, a charisma thing or, or just, you know, balls out, whatever. And that kind of is infectious. And that's how it was with me and D Boone, you know, and from Ohio. Yeah, it's 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 comforting to hear you still have you still struggle with that at times. <laughs> All the time, but uh, I mean, I'm just being honest. I mean, some some dudes are balls out. Bob Mold, you know, that guy's never yeah. afraid. Yeah, you know, fucking egg, he ain't afraid. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> but I don't think you get you're serving with those guys. It brings something out of you that without them you don't have. It's not like you're dick leeching on them, but for damn sure they're throwing you a rope um, i definitely get an odd ad adrenaline courage when i finally get up there which i really like and you know found found that happened pretty early you know, on Hodge, he plays drums in the msv and ssv project mike begat he when i was doing the first opera with him i was scared shitless to, this wasn't even a, a gig it's in the studio wow because, yeah you know look what being a little bit scared is like being a little bit excited it's true. We're at the end of the first hour, April 22, 2020. Hold tight for hour two. April 22, 2020. It's the second hour. Watch for Pedro Show. Still there. Laying in 
daycare. And that's no lifeboat. It's as useful as a lawn chair.
Just never enough time for righteous ways, and in my slumber I have dreams of broken waves and dogs of thunder. Wake up to another year of tortured days. I am a pilgrim, I'm a drifter, I'm a gypsy, I'm a fool. I never hear a thing that people say. Blind man, double dealer. I'm a cripple, I'm a liar I just don't have the time for righteous ways Wake up to another year of tortured days. I am a pilgrim. I'm a drifter. I'm a gypsy. I'm a tool. I never hear a thing that people say. Blind man, double dealer. I'm a 
Wonderful, my dear. 
for Pedro Show. Start the second hour off with Lazy and the Tramp from White Greg. Uh, Luke Winslow King, Watch Me Go. Scott H. Birum, Righteous Ways. Guided by Voices, Windjammer. And finally, uh, The Pleases, which you guys shared a seven inch with. Women of Your World. Tell me about White Greg. Uh, well, like I was saying before, you know, I've been playing music on and off pretty much, but pretty much on, uh, since the 1998 with Eric Lee, the guitarist. Um, and, uh, the band double Muslims that we were in before that, I guess had fallen apart. And, uh, so a couple of years later he had been doing some stuff and I'd been doing some other things and he had put together, he started putting together white Greg with Maggie and, uh, you know, I can't remember. Oh, it's Maggie, been so she many. She was on the show a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's her band? Uh, Lower Interiors. That's it. And it's something to do that. with the fucking, uh, her teeth. Right. <laughs> She's great. Um, She's great, man. All, all, yeah, all you cats indeed. in Knoxville, I love what you're doing. So, yeah, Maggie's so, so got a deep had, street influence. He's in got a band. By the way, what happened to Ryan? Uh, Ryan's still around. He's. Uh, okay, he's okay. A visual artist, and he does some sound art too, sound collage music. That's great. I'm glad he's still in the ring. But anyway, yeah. you're getting together with your buddy, and he's already been playing with Maggie. Yeah, well, the the band was just in formation. I think that they were the two that were talking about it first, and then when other musicians were put in, you know, I just seemed to always we seemed to always uh, Eric and I find our way back to playing music with each other, just because we. We talk really well with guitar and drums to each other, even when we are, you know, at odds with each other or getting along. <laughs> we can always do that really well, so it just oh, ends good. up being a good, good thing. Uh, by this time, do you have a, a different drum set? Yes. <laughs> well, you were so uh, you were so happy uh, with that other one that had no name, but you love the the orange sparkle, the gold sparkle. I really didn't love the drum set at all. I just loved that I finally had a drum set. It was oh, okay. problematic from like, like the cymbals were such crap. They would like turn inside out when you hit them too hard. Mm. So like an umbrella in a big that. wind. Yeah, exactly like that. Uh, yeah. Sometime in, when I came back to Tennessee after Chicago, I bought my only other drum set that I've ever had. I've only owned, ever owned two. Oh, um, that's great. That's, yeah. You know who's like that? Steven fucking Flipper. That's the same really? fuck. I mean, he's painted it, but it's the same fucking drums. Yeah, uh, it it was like at a music store. It was a Sonor kit, uh, five Sonor, piece oh, kit, German. Yeah, and they were just. It was this music store in Chattanooga that had yeah. one, and they were really trying to get rid of it because I guess I don't know it didn't sell or something, and so it was only like five hundred bucks, and I bought it, and uh, I'm still playing it to this day, and I love it. I mean, yeah, it's, they're made, they're made really well. Yeah. Uh, so 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 the band the band's already the guitar singer but then you get involved uh, what about bass was the bass well, guy the last <laughs> No I, as a as a group I mean it di it didn't exist as a group as just guitar singer they were just the two friends talking about how to you know that was it all happened really fast okay. the other guitarist Tyler and um uh Damien on bass that core group was the band for the whole time. It, it just, uh, the discussions I think started in the aftermath of whatever Eric had done right before that. And then him talking to Maggie who had been in lots of great bands in town the whole time. So it just sort of started to fall together 
from that. Okay. Uh, I want to play uh, another thing. You're going to tell me about the pleases, right? We're going to play the drum from them.
to some pleasant absent-minded nurses song Wretched and catchy as a yawn You were there, but you were barely there at all Like the pause fireworks, trees in the fall From the waiting room to the waving wall Visiting our
We're talking off air, people, about incredible genius drum designs from just a head <laughs> to something that looks like a sousaphone bell. <laughs> and uh, drummers, you know, it's always been a trip. I've, my heart's always gone out to them. But they're the heart of the band. In fact, I've said this before, but the big mistake the Minutemen made was having George Hurley in the back there. I don't know, the last 20 years, if you see me play, I always put my drummer men in the front of the stage. That's what should happen with George Hurley. Yeah, I. I... I, of course, agree, because I was always trying to watch him. <laughs> no, no, but this idea that, you know, Chico Hamilton had problem in the 60s trying to get songwriting credits. There's just this prejudice against drummers. Even, yeah, I, was, I think it's because they know the truth is they actually hold all the power because it's rhythm music, you know? Truly, and I always used to bristle, like, when I was younger, like, I would see credits, and it'd be, like, music by, and the names, and it was, like, drums, or it wouldn't even include the drummer's name, and I'm like, so that part isn't part of the music? Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> like, let's hear it without it. Bullshit. Okay, the notes don't last as long, so fucking what? Yeah. <laughs> There's still notes. It's still rhythm. It's, it's just so jive. Humans always like to get, they want shortcuts on the truth, it seems, so they set up these fucking hierarchies. Well and They said. end up enslaving us. Okay, so uh, the pleases, right? You made the seven inch, and, th and th th that song was called the drum. Uh, Cosmo Scheiss had a Hamburg with not enough romance. After that, Mega Doubt, Trieste, New World Virus, or the Opium Trail. <coughs> Actually, I was out of Scotland in the sixties. This cat now is living in uh, Fraser's uh, suburb of Detroit. Wipeout, their version of Wipeout. Yeah, they used to do that a lot in the sixties. Talk about copying records. They do it like the, almost as soon as the... It happened to Captain Beefheart with Diddy Why Diddy, you know? Motherfuckers yeah. would put out, yeah, they compete against you. Uh, Corey Brandon after that, visiting hours, and finally White Greg with Heart Failure. So tell me about the Pleases in, in this 7-inch. Uh, that was a split cassette that we put out. Pleases were just a uh, another a band that we were like, we seemed to be sort of creatively in, in a good you know lock with. And they were, of course, friends of ours. Everybody in the scene works together a lot down here. And uh, But they were a band that we tended to <clears throat> play shows with. And uh, members of that band were also in a, a band back uh, called Midnight Bomber, What Bombs at Midnight. That was this just crazy, bizarre, uh, wild, hyper-fast composition-y kind of, uh, kind of John Zorn-esque kind of stuff, but with a like a more of a just shouty almost like uh david yell like singer and um uh he uh, that guy's name was ben oiler the singer uh he played in pleases and we just we kind of always you know eric and i's bands did stuff with them and then again in white greg it was the same with pleases was what he was doing at the time so we decided to put out that split was the it split ended up being before, the only thing they put out i think was the split before you did your album no, the album was quite a bit before okay. that. The uh, the split tape is 
the material, the white gray material on that is the newest stuff that ever saw the light of day. Um, there's other stuff that, uh, a whole set of music that we were playing post that cassette that never fully got recorded. Well, what, tell me about the album. It was done, what, three years ago? The LP? Uh, that was, no, that was a long time ago. That probably was in 2015. Five years ago. Okay. Uh, yeah, five, six. Um, and, uh, Where'd you do Because yeah, that, that's what I'm this, mainly playing today. Right. Um, that was done at a local studio here uh, called Wild really good. Forest. Who produced it? Uh, the guy who recorded it, his name is Scott Miner, and he just just packed up his studio to move to Greece, I think. Uh, but he he was in Sparkle Horse and a lot of other uh, music. Uh, uh, any projects with Mark Linkus, he they were really yeah, close, and they, they sort of decided to. I think from what he told me. Uh, they were. They always had plans to open a studio together. They, he ended up moving here. Both of them ended up moving here, and and Scott was more the recording engineer uh, guy, and he and drummer, and he uh, set up that studio. And we were. He hadn't even really finished building it yet, but he uh, he saw us play and wanted us to come record with him. So we did, and it was a really good experience working with him. Were the premier proj for that? What was the studio called? It was called Wild Chorus. Wild Chorus. How long did it take? I believe we tracked it in, I'm trying to, I'm sort of remembering it, tracking it in only like a day or two. And then there was another day of uh, guitar and vocal over, overdubs. Um, and that was it. It, it. it took quite a while to get mixed just because he was kind of doing us a favor and cutting us a deal and working yeah, us but in. The performances were real quick. Yeah, but yeah. And, we uh you know came in a few months later to finalize the mix with him and yeah well you did both you guys did a great job i think it sounds great and uh Thanks. the tunes were probably from you guys doing gigs right the first records are usually like that yeah uh well we we would practice pretty relentlessly it yeah, took us forever it sounds good and tight i mean you guys are playing yeah. sharp look we're at yeah. the end of the second hour here 2020 no April 22, 2020. Dishwap Pedro Show. <laughs> Special guest Jason Holt. Time for hour three. April 22, 2020. It's the third hour of the Watch for Pedro Show. <laughs> Some really 
the better days Don't show me those better days I'm stuck in
story is uh never bet the devil your head it's online you can uh, read it it's a, one of the yeah. short short babies it? <laughs> damn it uh start third hour, hour off a drowning song i hadn't played the pilot lamp people until its fourth year i see yeah, there yeah. was a there was a big uh drought of knoxville gigs for what like from vic and bills i didn't play there again until i played the pilot lamp and so there must have been like five, six years. Yeah, there was a that was sort of the impetus. Yeah, there was nowhere to play. So you you could play Memphis, you could play Knoxville, you could even for a time play Murfreesboro. But even yep. Chattanooga's tough too. You know, I've yet to play there. I, I heard Dick Lloyd's living there from TV. He is. Yeah. Yeah. I almost got asked um, to be produce a record, and I'm glad I didn't ever get involved with that. But you know, he's incredible. Sure. He's, I read his book in one day. It's pretty incredible. Uh, Crane after that with Between Us, Kay Coles, the band he was in with Dirt, Surfing Monster, Andre Vita out of Berlin with Balinese, Ha Ha Tonka Heart, The Party, Bark out of Knoxville with Big Old Party, yeah. Dark Corner, not Dark Logic, from White Greg. So who's writing most of the songs? Maggie? Uh, we, it, the writing process was really strange. Like A lot of times Eric Lee would come in with of riff or some pieces of a song and we would just beat the living shit out of it for uh weeks months sometimes a year uh they were never we wrote them truly as a band and um okay. all of us bashing and it, it actually you know the songs would go through crazy evolution and then maggie would be in there listening to it come together and be just sketching down lyrics and she would uh add lyrics to the song as it was start, you know, getting close to where it would finish up and in its shape. In its final shape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was there for, for the, all of the painful uh, construction process as it went from one thing to another. But then, yeah, she would be writing lyrics the whole time kind of. And then I, I, I'm not sure what her process was in terms of how they ended up on what part of the song, 
but she was that was she was doing her part. We just didn't hear about it until she started singing over over the stuff we had been coming up with. She she kind of the caboose, right? Last aboard. Well, I, like she was working on it the whole time, but because she's not playing a guitar or something, you don't hear it. She's just like scribbling lines sure, sure. And, and then Well, that's editing. pretty bitchy because a lot of singers, oh, I don't have to be there during the music part. So that was great that she was there. Yeah, definitely. Because we'd also be working on practicing stuff that we had already worked out. So we were always working on We'd play some of the stuff we had to sharpen it up, and we'd work on the stuff that was almost there, and then we'd spend time... It sounds really disciplined the way I'm describing it, but it didn't really feel well, that way. I'm uh, wondering about things, since shit was still in flux and stuff, what was it like for the gigs? That they were kind of works in progress? We definitely played stuff at shows before it was ready and before... Okay. Uh, yeah, it... it and, th and then once the stuff was tight, we'd play it that way for a while. And then when we'd lived in it a while, there were moments in the songs where we could really fly off the handle and and you know pull ourselves back in as a sort of an unconscious we worked really well together that way and when you did the album the engineer man he kind of acted as a producer or did you guys self-produce you know i mean what that means sort of changes from session to session he didn't he didn't nudge us at all really he would tell us if something was off time or if something was sounding weird but he was really, uh, in, at least working with us, he's definitely done producer work with other songwriters, from what I understand. But uh, the music that you're hearing on that album is pretty much the way that we played it straight up on stage. Yeah, you know the example they give, right, is like that first Joy Division album. Like that where, right. where that producer man, I think it was Mark Hammett. Han like, Martin Hammett. Yeah, Hanna. yeah, Martin Hammett. Here's the sound I'm going to give you. Right. Whether no, he didn't do like any this. Mark Hannett with us. I you mean, he certainly like, was creative. You sound like uh, that at the gig or not? This is how you're going right. to sound on this record. Yeah. No, there, there wasn't. There wasn't a record company behind us, like you know, pushing. Well, <laughs> this I understand like that a, part. I understand that part. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, some yeah, people, it, it seems there's different approaches. Some people they got a vision. Yeah. But then other times, well, you know, I'm basically here to do document what you guys do. Right. I think just different like, approaches, and I'm curious he, about it. He works a, like I I do the same kind of thing. I try and be creative with how I record something, yeah. but like uh, uh, you know, I stay I try and stay true to what I think that the band is trying to do, and then I'll present them with some options, like what if we did this, or you sound like that made this sound, and sometimes they're like, hey, that's great. Other times it's like, nah, I don't think so. And so he he just certainly did creative things in the midst of recording us that some of it made on onto the record and and some of it but it's a pretty i mean with a five-piece rock band like that it's everything there's not a lot of room for you know to he hear and understand what's going on in a band like that that's tricky like that uh it's it's just a really well captured uh good feeling yeah i mean another example uh alice cooper right love it to death and then maybe easy action <laughs> yeah right Bob Ezrin versus Frank Zappa, I guess. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, the completely different. always so scared, we always let the engineer man be the producer man. Uh, I want to play uh, Slow Burner. Okay.
slowly as they lick their lips up Not afraid of flying, it's just
stumbling around looking for a cigarette that's behind my left ear. <laughs> could be a, can always be worse. I could be a demented Dean Martin, Dustin Hoffman, mutating hybrid, stumbling around on the porch looking for a cigarette that's behind my left ear. 
luck, a fuck for love. What do you give? What do you shove? When you deliver yourself from evil, do you sound like Chuck? Do you feel like corn that's about to be shucked? Do you stick the large bills in the fucking glove? I bet you do. I bet you do. When you're not getting used to the pain in your teeth by moving cold shit around your mouth. When you're not getting used to the pain in your teeth by moving cold shit around your mouth. I bet you stick the large bills in the fucking glove. I bet you feel like corn that's about to be shucked. I bet you deliver yourself from evil when you listen to Chuck. Barry. A buck for luck. A love for a fuck. (laughs) What do you give? What would you give for a fuck for a buck? That's in love with a schmuck that is staggering around a porch like a demented Dean Martin Dustin Hoffman hybrid looking for a cigarette that's behind his left fucking ear. That could always be worse. I could have the phrase distinctive yellow squeeze barrel stuck in my head for days. I could be smelling the moment while pissing in the rain. With my arm around a guy that had his hand on his dick After high-fiving the spirit that's underneath the skin and bone You are all beautiful babies 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 Tell a prostitute to move along. Because like Maddie Love said, everyone's a whore. How dare you tell a prostitute to move along and stick a no loitering sign up their fucking dress. It was proven a long time ago in San Francisco in 1994 that everyone is a whore. Maddie Love said that. Maddie Love sang that. And then he died. It was a blue suicide. The cops shot him because he was a whore, just like all of you. It's okay to be a whore if you know what you're looking for. (laughs) It's okay to be a whore if you know what you're living for. It's okay to be a whore if you know what you're loving for. If you know what you're loving for. If you know you are
Well, for Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Slow Burner from White Greg. Uh, Jason, where did the name come from? Because on the <laughs> album think, cover, the everybody's wearing name tags, right? Yeah, that was... Maggie had gotten a hold of some Greg with a just traditional one G at the end spelling and then like sewn on a, se- a second G and made... She had gotten a stack of them given to her or something or maybe she found them at a thrift store. I can't remember... Like she gave us all Greg <laughs> name tags. You know who's got the but two yeah. G's? Um, he used to write reviews for uh, Cream Magazine, played guitar in the Angry Samoans, Greg Turner. Ah. Yeah, he did the two G's at the end. Yeah, the the name was really just came came from a joke. It was like, uh, and one of the things, the greatest undocumented things was how much we all used to joke around. It was really, it was a funny group. Um and uh but it was Tyler and Eric were talking about something and one of them had said something and it was misheard as white greg uh it was white something like white dreads or something and he's like did you say white greg and they just laughed about it and that just ended up being the name okay. <laughs> i mean we had gone through it's is ridiculous and like at some point you just got to stick with something until right. it doesn't mean anything anymore <laughs> plant your stake so the tent don't blow over right okay lullaby of good cock consequences after that from Bradford Reed uh, Chinese Herbal Medicine with Get My Head Right Bahan Boy AJ out of Amsterdam with Universal Love Omfu that's Steve Jacanti uh, at uh, oh, Steve. right out of your uh, Knoxville scene with You Are All Beautiful Babies uh huh yeah he was great he was on the show uh, earlier in the week and uh, right or last week and Whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, he, we he we recorded great, that know? stuff just right d- during this uh, pandemic, you know, the di- uh, sort of isolation phase because all the shows were getting canceled. Yeah, and he's sending me two more cassettes he's just done, uh, M&N or something, N&O. Or, he's, uh, he's unstoppable. He's unstoppable. <laughs> we need more of that. And then That's finally, right. uh, White Greg with Black Hornet. Uh, what's next for the band? Uh, I'm not sure there is anything next for the band. Uh, I think we haven't been playing together for a while. We kind of took it apart for a while. And, uh, I think that it might be, it might be done with, um, and, unless the skies or the grounds shift and something happens. Well, sometimes things are like that. You know, uh, Arthur Rimbaud, right? He only does poems a couple years. Yeah. Um, everybody in almost everybody in the, I mean, everybody in the group is still making music, uh, not, the only people who have done stuff out and about that um, as, as uh, Eric has been playing and, and of course Maggie's got lower interiors and has got uh, other projects as well. And uh, I've been doing, I've been making sort of electronic music synthesizers and tape music for oh, as long got, as I've been playing. You got to flow me some. I didn't get any of that. I think I sent you some right at the, the 11th hour, but it was too late. Oh, um, shit. But yeah, well, well, it's pretty well, underdocumented. <laughs> God damn, I gotta check that. I don't know how, because all I had was White Greg. Okay, okay, yeah. we gotta check that. If people want to find you on the internet, where do they go? Well, um, the White Greg is on Bandcamp. Uh, Palatheta is the name of my electronic thing, and there's just a tiny bit of music on there. P a l a t h e d a Bandcamp dot com. Okay. And uh, then I've got the Stripe Light record label, and of course Great there's label. always. Love the fucking shit on that album uh, label. The album's yeah. on that label. Especially All the that stuff, Mike, we got to turn me on to that. I really love it. I hope you cats keep on keeping on, man, truly. Thanks. 
Yeah, it means a lot to me. You know, sometimes you think there's some relic from the old days, but then you look over your shoulder and there's cats that are kicking up big time dust. Thank you so uh-huh. much, Jason. Really big honor having you on. Let's come on the show again when you get an album done with this uh, pa- pa- pal- uh, Palisada. Yeah. You know, I we got a, pl- a place that's kind of uh, kind of fancy. It's called Palisades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely <not> like that. <laughs> Pacific Palisade. Anyway, yeah. thanks so much for being on. Really, Jason, it means a lot. And, th- and thanks, thanks for the pilot uh, lamp, bitching. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Mike. Great okay. talking to you. People, it's been April 22, 2020. Dishwap Pedal Show. Keep your powder dry.